Welcome to TSX Quarterly, the podcast that brings you publicly available earnings calls from companies listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange in one convenient location. Gone are the days of looking through confusing websites. You'll find the important information right here. Enjoy the call. Bonjour, mesdames et messieurs. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Bienvenue à la conférence téléphonique sur les résultats financiers du troisième trimestre de l'exercice 2020 de WSP. Welcome to WSP's third quarter 2020 results conference call. I will now like to turn the meeting over to Quentin Weber, Investor Relations. Avez-vous la parole? Please go ahead, Mr. Weber. Merci. Good morning. We hope that you're all safe and doing well. Thank you for taking the time to join the call today, during which we will be discussing our Q3 2020 performance, followed by a question and answer session. With us today are Alexandre Lereux, our President and Chief Executive Officer, and Alain Michaud, our Chief Financial Officer. Please note that this call is also accessible on our website via webcast. During the call, we may be making some forward-looking statements, and actual results could be different from those expressed or implied. We undertake no obligation to update or revise any of these statements. Relevant factors that could cause actual results to differ materially from those forward-looking statements are listed in our most recent management discussion and analysis. Also, during the call, we may refer to certain non-IFRS measures. These measures are defined in our management discussion and analysis for the third quarter of 2020, as well as our management discussion and analysis for the year-ended December 31st, 2019, both of which can be found on CIDAR and on our website. Our MDNA also includes reconciliations of non-IFRS measures to the most directly comparable IFRS measures. Management believes that these non-IFRS measures provide useful information to investors regarding the corporation's financial condition and results of reparations as they provide additional key metrics of its performance. These non-IFRS measures are not recognized under IFRS, do not have any standardized meaning prescribed under IFRS, and may differ from similar, similarly named measures as reported by other issuers, and accordingly may not be comparable. These measures should not be viewed as a substitute for the related financial information prepared in accordance with IFRS. With that, I will now turn the call over to Alexandre. Thank you, Quentin, and uh, good morning, everyone. Thank you for uh, joining us today, and I hope that you and your family are staying safe and in good health. As we navigate this, uh, these uh, unusual times, I, I continue to be extremely proud of what we've achieved as an organization, thanks to our employees around the globe who have ri risen, risen sorry, to the challenges, not missing a beat, both individually and collectively. They continue to demonstrate their passion for client services, and I'm truly grateful for their adaptability and dedication. During the quarter, we continue to adapt our response to the pandemic with a flexible approach as regional sanitary recommendations evolve. After a gradual and partial reopening of some of our offices, the increase in infection rates across many parts of the world saw employees resuming work remotely. Although the situation remains fluid, most of our employees continue to work remotely, something which has become somehow the new normal. 
That being said, our com common focus, working remotely or not, remains on collaborating to deliver projects and pursue new assignments, fulfilling commitments, and growing client relationships. Before I go over our recent wins and our regional financial performance for the third quarter, I would like to take a moment to discuss the important leadership announcement we made yesterday. Paul Dolan, our Chief Operating Officer, has decided to leave the organization at the end of the year to pursue new professional and personal opportunities. Paul has been a key member of our leadership team for the past eight years. As COO, he has been responsible for the execution of our operation and operating plan. Among his many accomplishments, he has overseen the successful integration of the numerous companies we acquired during this tenure, ensuring a common purpose, share values, and a unified corporate culture. On behalf of the board of directors and the entire global leadership team, I would like to wish him all the best in his future endeavors and to thank him for his significant contribution to making WSP the leader it has become today. In terms of transition, our intention is not to fill the CEO position. We have taken this opportunity to rethink our global operational structure and to review the roles and responsibilities of the current members of our global leadership team. This approach will allow us to further harness the strengths of our leadership team in our continued quest to better leverage the depth and, and breadth of our capabilities across the organization. I would now like to highlight a few of the major wins during Q3, showcasing a sample of our expertise from across the globe. Starting with the City of Toronto, WSP has been named the prime consultant on the significant Toronto Transit Commission Subway Capacity Enhancement Program. Building on a long and successful client relationship with the TTC, WSP will provide consulting services for the capacity enhancement of the Line 1 subway in Toronto over a period of 11 years. The program will aim to improve customer experience and satisfaction, improve safety and support, and, and support the broader economic benefits of a high-performing transit system. Moving to Illinois in the U.S., WSP will provide the full suite of program management oversight services in support of the Northeast Illinois Regional Commuter Railroad Corporation, $2 billion capital program. Working closely together, our national expert will support the growth of internal program management capabilities to set the framework for lasting success. Across the ocean in the UK, WSP will act as a leader on planning, environmental, stakeholder, and land advisory services for a new hydrogen pipeline in the Northwest, supporting the UK's target of a net zero greenhouse gas emissions by 2050. The HYNET CO2 pipeline is the most advanced hydrogen and carbon capture, utilization and storage project in the UK and represents the first piece of the UK CCUS infrastructure identified by the Committee on Climate Change as a vital technology for achieving the ambition, ambitious I'm sorry, emissions savings needed to meet the 2050 carbon reduction targets. One of our objectives when we unveil our 2019-2021 strategic plan was to build a leading professional advisory firm bringing together talented professionals globally. We are experts who provide strategic advice on sustainable solutions to help societies grow for generations to come. 
private enterprise and governments must address their GH, uh, G emissions in their journey to embrace the green transition. Another pressing reason to decarbonize is to maintain access to competitive capital. However, they cannot do it alone and they need a leading expert to assist with this transition. This exciting project in the UK is a good example of the work we do by partnering with our clients and building sustainable communities. I would now like to turn to our regional performance, starting with our Canadian operation. In Q3, our Canada reportable segment posted organic contraction in net revenue of 7.1% and delivered adjusted EBITDA by segment and adjusted EBITDA margin by segment of 51.5 million and 21.4% respectively. The decreases in net revenue are mainly attributable to lower performance in Western Canada affected by the depressed oil and gas industry, which impacted many market sectors. Also, lower volumes in the commercial property and building segment continue to adversely affect performance during the third quarter. The impact of the depressed oil and gas downturns represented more than half of the contraction in net revenues in the quarter and nine-month period. Our Americas reportable segment posted organic contraction net revenue of 3.8% over Q3, uh, of nine, uh, Q3 2020, where it delivered a solid 8.2% organic growth. The regions delivered adjusted EBITDA by segment, adjusted EBITDA margin by segment of 123.4 million and 21%. The organic revenue contraction in the quarter was felt in both the U.S. and Latin American operations. The decrease in the U.S. is mainly due to timing of revenue recognition on certain large projects recognized in Q3 2019 and to lower volumes in the commercial property and buildings and power and energy market sectors due to the pandemic. The adjusted EBITDA margin for the Americas segment was stable as compared to, um, to the same quarter last year, as the impact of lower revenues was mostly offset by cost containment measures and cost savings stemming from office lockdowns and travel restrictions. Next, our EMEA reportable segment posted organic contraction and net revenues of 5.1%. In both the three, the three and the nine months period, the UK felt the largest negative impact on net revenues as it experienced lower volumes in the transportation and infra market sector, largely due to delays on some public sector projects. Also softness in the private sector affected our planning and advisory services in commercial property and building market sector. The EMEA operation posted adjusted EBITDA by segment and adjusted EBITDA margin by segment of 79.6 million and 14.4% respectively, an increase when compared to the same period in 2019, and the, as the impact of lower revenues was more than offset by cost containment measures and cost savings stemming from office lockdowns and travel restriction and the receipt of government, government subsidies. Lastly, our APAC reportable segment delivered organic growth in net revenues of 4.5%. Organic growth was led by solid results in New Zealand and Asia while Australia remained relatively stable. The regions delivered adjusted EBITDA by segment and adjusted EBITDA margin by segment of 61.5 uh, million and 
Adjusted EBITDA margin by segment increased mainly due to strong performance in Australia and New Zealand, including the benefit of cost savings stemming from office lockdown and travel restriction, as well as a receipt of government subsidies in Asia. Overall, we are very pleased with our performance in Q3, which again demonstrates the resilience of our platform and the dedication of our people. Alain will now review our financial results in more detail, followed by the updated outlook. Alain. All right, thanks, Alex. Good morning, everyone. Uh, let's first discuss our top line. Revenues and net revenues for the quarter reached 2.1 billion and 1.7 billion, down 3.8% and 0.4% respectively compared to Q3 2019. Organically, net revenue contracted 3.4% for the quarter. The good organic growth in the APAC reportable segment was offset by organic contraction in the other segments. Please note that the third quarter of 2020 had one less billable day compared to Q3 2019. Backlog remains very healthy at 8.5 billion, reaching a record high of 11.6 months of revenues, up 4.6% from December 2019 and 7.6% from September 2019. Backlog organic growth reached 3.6% compared to December 19 and 5.2% compared to September 19. We continue to be very pleased with our backlog. Let's move on to profitability. For the second quarter, adjusted EBITDA amounted to, amounted to $297 million, up 3.1% compared to $288 million in Q3 2019. Adjusted EBITDA margin for the quarter reached 17.6% compared to 17% in Q3 2019. Improved margin in the APAC and AMIA reportable segments were partially offset by lower margins in other segments. Earning before net financing expenses and income taxes in the quarter reached $144 million down compared to Q3 2019, mainly due to increase in the acquisition, integration, and restructuring costs. Net financing expense for the third quarter was 39 million lower than 2019, mainly attributable to lower interest expense due to lower long-term debt, unrealized foreign exchange gains from derivative financial instrument, and higher non-cash increases in the value of investments related to our U.S. Employee Deferred Compensation Plan. Net earnings attributable to shareholders for the quarter was $104 million, or $0.92 cents per share, up 11.3% and 3.4% respectively when compared to Q3 2019. Adjusted net earnings for the quarter reached $118 million, or $1.04 per share, up 17.5 million and 8 cents per share, respectively, compared to Q3 2019. I will now review a few cash flow metrics. Our DSO as of June 27, uh, as of the end of Q3, stood at 72 days, the same as last quarter, and still a historical best compared to 80 days as of the end of Q3 2019. Also, for the trailing 12 months ended September 26, 2020. Free cash flow amounted to $779 million, representing 315% of net earnings attributable to shareholder. We continue to be very proud of our cash flow generation. Higher free cash flow in 2020 year and year to date was mainly driven by accelerated collection during the first nine months of 2020, 
compared to the same period last year, and the deferral of income taxes and other remittance in some jurisdiction of approximately $100 million. From a modeling perspective, approximately 20% of this deferral will be repaid in 2020, with the remaining amount to be repaid in 2021 and 2022. The net debt to adjusted EBITDA ratio stood at 0.3 times. The ratio is significantly lower than 1.1 times as at December 31st, 2019, mainly due to the repayment of a portion of our debt resulting from strong free cash flow and the issuance of share capital in the second quarter of 2020. We also declared a dividend of 37.5 cents per share for shareholders on record as of September 30th, 2020, which was paid on October 15, 2020. With a 54% drip participation, the net, net cash outlay for the quarter was $19.6 million. Finally, we're pleased to reiterate the financial outlook for 2020 issued in last August. Also, the adjusted EBITDA is anticipated to skew towards the higher end of the range previously provided, which was from $1 billion to $1.05 billion. This concludes my remark. Alex, back to you. Sorry, the beauty of technology, I was on mute. Thank you, Alain. Before we open up the line for questions, I will wrap it up quickly by saying that we are pleased with our Q3 and year-to-date performance, which confirmed the resilience and agility of our business model. As such, we are also very comfortable reiterating our financial outlook. As we are slowly approaching the end of 2020, we are devoting significant effort and planning for 2021. The current environment is now without challenges as we are entering this last year of our current strategic cycle with a cautiously optimistic mindset. As previously stated, although the landscape has changed and there are more uncertainties, the underlying principles of our global strategy remain very relevant and we are not ready to relent or give up on our stated strategic objectives as we are continuing to explore opportunities to deliver on these ambitions. Now let's open the line for questions. Operator? Thank you. At this time, if you'd like to ask a question, press star one on your telephone. To withdraw your question, press the pound key. Again, to ask a question, press star one. And your first question comes from the line of Jacob Bauz with CIBC. Please go ahead. Jacob, your line is now open. Sorry, I'm having the same issues. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, my first question is on, on leverage. Um, you know, it's at very low levels right now. Um, can you comment on the level of M&A discussion? Is it back to pre-COVID levels? And, and are target multiples still uh, elevated? Yeah, uh, well, first of all, good morning. Uh, yes, indeed, we're, we're quite pleased uh, with the, the strength of our, of our balance sheet and, and what we had mentioned when uh, we did our, our capital raises. You know, we wanted to come out uh, of this pandemic in an equally um, strong position, if not stronger. 
to our pre-COVID position, and that's exactly uh, where we stand today. I, I feel that uh, you know we are right now devoting, as I stated before, you know, significant amount of our time working on our 2021 operating plan, getting ready for that, already starting about uh, starting, already thinking about what what's next in our next strategic cycle, and that's what we're going to do in the next uh, 12 months. And as part of that, obviously, uh, clearly, uh, I, I spent some of my time talking to, to a, a number of, of players and targets and, and, and relationships that I have within the industry. Uh, of course, uh, you know, there's some uncertainty still in, in the marketplace. And, and we are seeing, I mean, in our industry, we have, we have not seen a, a lot of, of deals uh, taking place at this point in time. But that doesn't mean that this... That, that could not change at, at some point in time, uh, Jacob. But for, for the time being, certainly we, you know, we're focused on, on delivering on our business. And we said that if we had an opportunity to be opportunistic at some point in time, we wanted to have the tools uh, in our toolbox to be able to do that. And I think, you know, having a strong balance sheet is certainly something that, uh, uh, you know, is good to have uh, at this point in time. The second question here is just on organic uh, revenue growth, um, you know, improving in third quarter versus second quarter, but, but still mm -hmm. negative. Have you seen steady improvement or, or, you know, have you plateaued here, you know, with this, with this second wave? We have seen, uh, we have seen an improvement. As an example, you look at the, our UK business, but we, we have seen a sta stabilization of our, of, you know, of, of, of our business in the UK. In, Q, in Q2, I'm sorry, it was still, you know, very challenging. And, and certainly at the beginning of Q3, we, we saw the market uh, being a bit more stable. Uh, and, and I also saw more momentum in the proposal activities in, in some of those countries that were, were going through a rough patch. So, so I, I thought that, uh, you know, the results in Q3 were quite, uh, we were quite pleased uh, with, with them. And, and yes, we're down a bit more than 3% for the quarter. But uh, as I said before, I feel that this is an improvement on Q2. Our backlog is growing. So, so I, if, if all bodes well, obviously in Q4, I am confident that we can enter 2021 and, you know, in, in a good place. And how is October shaping up? October is shipping up as expected. Uh, when we provided the outlook in Q2, uh, we were looking at you know uh, the month of August, September being the, the month where things would stabilize, and and uh, September things were, we were expecting September to to take off. This is exactly what would happen, and October right now is is as expected and performing as expected. Okay. I'll leave it there. Thank you. Thank you. And your next question comes from line of Yuri Link with Ken Accord. Please go ahead. Hey, good morning. Hello, Yuri. Hi. Um, Alex, I wanted to dig in a little bit on um, on the the opportunity set out there for for bookings and, and bringing in new new projects. Um, mm -hmm. It looks like your your Q3 bookings were. Um, amongst the lowest we've seen in, in the last uh, two years or so, and I understand these these can be lumpy, but um, you know, just what what impact is the pandemic having on on 
RFP activity or, or bids or however you want to characterize it? Yeah, as I said before, the in the proposal activity is still and his is quite is is healthy. I think we're we're pleased with with, uh, with that. And I, again, uh, I wouldn't use the COVID nineteen as a as a as an excuse. I've I've, I've used this argument in the past in, in many different occasions. You know, we you you win and lose in any given quarter. And I would not draw any conclusion on one quarter alone. I think you need to look at this, and it's it's more a trend. The backlog is more of a trend than a uh, uh, you know the, than a statement in any given quarter. So, uh, as I said to to, uh, to Jacobs before, I believe that the, the proposal activities is still very good in in many parts of the world. We've seen it uh, in the UK, as I said before. Quite, quite active. Same in Canada, frankly. Uh, of course, Western Canada is a bit more difficult, but the province of Quebec is our fastest growing region right now in the, in the country. Uh, and then you have the U.S. that is quite active. Um, so so uh, I'm, I'm not prepared to say that, uh, you know, uh, the, 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 the slight reduction in booking in Q3 uh, should, should rise concern. You know, if this was the case for three, four quarters in a row, of course, you know, you look at the trends over a year and you, you then need to obviously to draw some conclusions, but but not on a quarter. It's, a lot of it is oftentimes some timing. Next quarter, we could win a major assignment and this would change uh, the discussion that we're having right now. So that's why I wouldn't want, I wouldn't want us to, to uh, jump to the gun just with one quarter. We're still growing, and that's positive, and that's what we need to remember. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, just shifting gears to, to Paul's departure, um, mm-hmm. why wouldn't you refill the COO role? I mean, it's it's worked really well um, for the last number of years. I think uh, investors mm-hmm. are comfortable with that uh, with that setup. So, I mean, what's what, what would be the reasons for not refilling that? Well, because I, I, I truly understand and, and I'm sympathetic to, you know, obviously what, what how our investors are feeling. And, and I totally uh, realize that, you know, given the success that the firm has had in, the, in recent years that, you know, you would expect not to change anything. But um, this is certainly not one of our principles. We, we like to challenge the status quo and what was working Six seven years ago, uh, Yuri is not necessarily a good predictor of what will change, what, what will work in the future. Uh, and I'm a big believer in that. Uh, we constantly need to rethink the way uh, you operate the business and uh, constantly think, rethink how you think you can be more effective to win work and deliver projects. And uh, when you get to 50, 60,000 people, uh, and on one week, you need to be in San Diego, Chile, and the next, you need to be in New Zealand, and the week after, you need to be in Stockholm or Helsinki. Um, you know, from a distance, you may not think that this is, uh, you know, this is this is not a stretch, but but internally, I can tell you that it, it could be. And, and and my position on this is we have a, an incredible bench strength in the business. Uh, you all have met some of our leaders. In the past, Mark Naismith, Magnus Meyer in Sweden or in the UK, and 
and I wish I would have been in a position to introduce to you uh, all uh, this year, you know, our new leader in the U.S., for instance, or in Canada or in Asia, Ivy Kong, but I have not been in a position to do that, and I hope through an investor day next year I will be able to, to do that, but you, you, you come to realize, you know, the bench trend that we have, and you also need to provi provide oxygen to our people to grow as a business. And uh, I believe that uh, I am uh, extremely well supported by those leaders. And um, rather than putting uh, a layer between myself and those leaders, I'd like and I prefer to give them uh, added responsibility and empowerment. And, and, and frankly, that's what made us successful. We're an agile organization. Uh, we, have, we don't have a big pyramid. We have, we have a very flat uh, business. Uh, I speak to our leaders on almost on a daily basis, so it's been working extremely well, and, and I believe that's the right way to go going forward. So we're not making changes to the principles of our operating model, an empowered model. All I am saying is, you know, I want to provide additional uh, responsibilities to people that I believe can take. That, that's it. Okay. Okay, I'll turn it over. Thanks. Thank you. And your next question comes from the line of Mona Nasir with Laurentian Bank. Please go ahead. Good morning, and thank you for taking my questions. Um, so my first question just has to do with margin expansion, which was part of your strategic plan and your explicit targets. I'm just wondering, irrespective of COVID, you've managed to increase margins, at least in this quarter, 60 basis points year over year, despite expectations for kind of similar contraction. Is that a trend that we can expect to continue, or do you think it has something to do with the current mode of reigning and spending, office lockdowns, no travel, reduced compensation? I, I think it's all of the above. Obviously, uh, we've had some, some one-off that uh, allowed us to uh, increase or expand our, our, our margins. Having said all that, I think we've, I've, I've said in, in, in my address that, that we are, you know, we're not prepared to amend or change our strategic ambitions, meaning that you know we are we have the ambitions to expand our margin profile next year as well, and that's our goal, with or without the COVID situation, and and that's the goal of of the business. And if you all recall, at the end of uh, in Q2 and actually at the end of Q1, you know we were a bit more specific in the ambitions that we were setting for the business. We said first and foremost. We need to defend and preserve this balance sheet. And actually, if we have an opportunity, we need to make it stronger. Second one is we need to continue to expand our margins, and we need to demonstrate to investor base that we have a very agile and very flexible business, uh, you know, business structure. And uh, you know, for years, I've been saying that our fixed cost structure was very low. And I, I said to uh, to our people and our professionals that this was, you know, a real opportunity to demonstrate that uh, to to our investment communities. So, and, and that's, you know, clearly what we wanted to achieve for this year, but it's certainly a goal for next year as well. So that, that, that those ambitions won't, won't change going into 2021, Mona. Perfect, no, that's very helpful. And just secondly for me, uh, I mean, there's no surprise that there's significant interest in your M&A plans with 0.3 terms of leverage. I'm just wondering if you could provide some clarification surrounding your just M&A comments a few minutes ago. I do understand that there are not a lot of transactions in the space, 
and there's still a high level of uncertainty. Um, just going back to last quarter, you stated that there were four M&A criteria that you look at, but it was mm -hmm. the final point, which was integration, where there was mm -hmm. some uncertainty. Is it still that uncertainty that you're referring to or perhaps other areas? No, I think, you know, the first, the first comment on, on the last criteria, I'd say that things are improving. Right. Uh, yes, we have a second wave, but it's a wave that, in my mind, certainly companies and firms are more prepared to deal with. So we are clearly uh, more comfortable with our, our current setup. Uh, we are clearly more comfortable with, you know, the, you know, the, the, the alternative ways of, of engaging uh, with clients, engaging with their professionals and the technology that we're using. And, and so is the same for targets. So I think things are improving on the on the last criteria clearly, um, but also clearly you need to make sure that you you, you find you know um, a place where where the seller's expectations and buyer's expectation will meet meet at a, at a cross point and and obviously that take a bit you know for for the expectations to meet uh, you know at at, at, the in, at the inflection point essentially it's that, all you need is time. Um, and we've seen it in 2008 on the back of a, of a, of a crisis. Um, you know, sellers' expectations have to go down a little bit, um, and, and, and buyers' expectations, well, buyers have to be a bit more confident in the, in the future of, of the economy. So that is only taking a bit of time, but I am confident that uh, you know, we'll see a, an increased pickup um, you know, in, in the not-so-distant future, assuming that you know, we can we you know things are, are going the way things are have been going for the last two three months essentially. But on our end, uh, Mona, we we want to be ready, and uh, you know I have always been quite transparent with, with all of you that our goal is 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 to have a strong balance sheet because when you have a strong balance sheet, uh, you, you are in a position to be opportunistic. Uh, you know, and I, I like to say to our people that you know you can only be in a position to improvise when you're prepared uh, but when you're unprepared you can't improvise and I, I feel now that you know working on our operating plan for 2021 and uh, delivering a good Q3 hopefully delivering a good Q4 having a strong balance sheet um, you know seeing an, an, an upward trajectory on our margin profile I think all of this point to you know, to, to good outcomes. So, so of course, it's increasing our confidence as a company to perhaps at some point in time be more opportunistic and do something that is, you know, uh, in line with, with our strategic ambitions. Perfect. That's very helpful. Thank you. Thank you. I'll leave it there. And your next question comes from one of Sabahat Khan with RVP Capital Markets. Please go ahead. All right, thanks and good morning. Um, you provided some color earlier on how you think about the cost reductions that you've undertook. You know, when you think about maybe a bit longer term about some of the sectors that have become a little bit softer, like property, maybe aviation, have you made any maybe perhaps permanent changes, you know, like headcount reduction, maybe planning for the next few years? Or how are you thinking about headcount and more of those, you know, meaningful cost changes that restructure the business a little bit? Yeah. Well, look, it's, it's, it's a very valid question. You will have seen in, in our DNA that, you know, our, our headcount has been reduced. 
uh, over the course of you know, the last quarter. So we, we continue uh, to have and, and work to have a, a business that is fit for purpose. Uh, and, and also, clearly, you know, uh, it is our goal to be in a position to do more with, with less. Uh, that's, uh, that's a given. You always want to uh, improve the efficiency of the company, and that's what we're trying to do. Uh, uh, right now, do we have a significant, a, a big plan to, to make significant uh, cost reduction in, in our people at this point in time? The answer is no. We don't have... Uh, that kind of plan. I, I, we feel that we've uh, put uh, all of the measures or a number of good measures in place that were temporary in Q2 and now are permanent uh, to be ready to face 2021. And that's what we're busy doing at this point in time. And uh, we'll continue to do that in Q4 uh, to make sure that uh, when we get into 2021, we have a, a business that is fit for purpose. Okay, and then um, provide a little bit of color on the continued improvement you are seeing in the UK market. Can you maybe provide some color on, you know, some of the things that you're seeing maybe on specific projects that slowed down or maybe in the pipeline that are driving some of the sequential improvement in that market? No, look, in, in planning and advisory, uh, for most of, of 2020, it's been relatively quiet or a bit more difficult. Uh, but uh, talking with our, our leaders, uh, you know, over the, you know, since the beginning of Q3, we have seen an increased level of activity, and that that that's positive, uh, obviously. So, so of course, um, you know, some of you may be concerned when you heard me talking about the slowdown in property and building, and I want to uh, just make sure uh, you, you understand this. I, I mentioned commercial property and building. Of course, there's been a bit of a slowdown, but if you look at our mission critical work, our healthcare work, uh, and healthcare sector, I mean, it's been it's been extremely resilient, and actually we've done extremely well. So, so it's not true that uh, the entire property and building sector is not doing well. To the contrary, uh, you need to uh, you know continue to diversify uh, the end market and continue to be smart about the where you win work, uh, but this year property and building is flat for us, and uh, but we'll, we'll continue to grow it. And there are some areas of, of, of that sector that is growing very quickly, and we'll continue to address that. And that's what you know the team in the UK and elsewhere is trying to to do right now. Okay, and then this last one for me. This is more of a higher level question. You, you alluded to some your views on M&A at this point, but as we think about maybe even 21 or maybe even 22, you know, do you see a change in mix of where your top line comes from in terms of organic and M&A mix? And when you provided your 21 guidance, you know, there's directional indication of how you're thinking about organic versus M&A, but, you know, does the current environment change that view for the next, you know, year, a couple of years? We're, we're, we're obviously right in the middle of uh, developing that operating plan for 2021. I think what I would say is uh, to you this morning is, uh, you know, the basis of our operating plan in 2021 is, is you know, w where we started uh, when we develop and are developing this 2021 plan is essentially our strategic, uh, our strategic uh, plan that we unveiled in, at the beginning of, of 18. We, we haven't changed, uh, we haven't changed our mind. We believe that uh, it's our, the fundamental principle of the strategy are very relevant 
and we're going to continue to execute on that plan. And uh, I don't expect uh, a shift from what we said we would do going into 2021. We'll continue to exec execute as, as we stated. Great. Thank you. And your next question comes from line of Benoit Poirier with Desjardins. Please go ahead. Hey, good morning, Alex, and congrats uh, for the, the results, especially in the current context. Uh, Alex, with respect to the pandemic, obviously so you mentioned some slowdown with uh, property and building, especially on the commercial. Uh, although, where do you see the uh, greatest opportunities going forward? Uh, you, you mentioned healthcare work uh, was extremely resilient, but uh, I would be curious to, to, to know a little bit more detail about where do you see the greatest opportunities and maybe the regions that are poised to, to better perform through the, uh, the pandemic. Yeah, starting with your last question, uh, I think I mentioned, and we've been quite consistent on that in Q2 and also today, Q3, we said that you know our, our, our soft spot so far uh, during COVID was, was were certainly the UK and, and Canada for completely different reasons. Uh, but then you look at the rest of the world, uh, look at, uh, for instance, uh, New Zealand has been uh, doing extremely well, Asia, our, our Asian business uh, is doing uh, is doing good right now. Is doing well. Uh, the Nordic countries uh, have been extremely resilient throughout this pandemic. Our U.S. business uh, is also uh, doing very well. The, the, the proposal and level of activity is good. Uh, we have uh, a renewed team there, and it's very dynamic. So, so I, I feel good about the, about the, our U.S. business as well. So there's not just, you know, I, I see the glass uh, half full at this point in time, not half uh, empty. Uh, and then, you know, I'm going into 2021 wanting uh, to, to get there on the, on, on, you know, not on the back foot, but, uh, you know, on the front foot. And, and that's what we're, why we're developing our plan right now with, 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 with this in mind and with our strategy in mind. You know, making sure that we continue to execute on what we said we would do. Uh, and then on, on, on your first question, uh, I, I mentioned it, I'll mention it again. Uh, you know, if you take our U.S. business, uh, for that matter, over the last three, four years, we significantly diversify our uh, property and building platform from being only or probably 80% of our top line in property and building being essentially a high-rise, commercial high-rise in New York City and a bit on the West Coast to being now a, uh, you know, a, a, a very uh, diversified business in the healthcare center, working with the top architects in the world, working with private clients, but also doing some mission-critical work around data centers, which is promising uh, for years to come. With, with you know, the resulting effect and impact that, that now uh, our commercial high-rise represent, you know, a uh, not anymore the majority of our work in the U.S. It's actually lower than, if I'm not mistaken, and uh, don't don't quote me on this, and I could get back to you, but less than 40% of our work. It's like now maybe 30% of our work, but five, six, seven years ago it was north of 80. So what we've done in property and building in the U.S., for instance, is essentially a replica of what we've done in the U.K. Uh, over the last decade. 
if you look back in 2012, 13, 14, when we acquired WSP, our UK business was mostly a private sector building business. And today, 70% of our top line is public sector transportation work. <laughs> and so, so in the background, uh, you know, we continue to diversify our platform to be more resilient, both geographically, but also from an end market point of view, uh, to create like strength, if you want, in, in, in our service offering, but uh, also be in a position to sustain economic shocks like we're, we're seeing right now. Alex, that, that's great caller. And when we look at 2021, obviously the infrastructure push across North America puts, puts you on a solid foothold. What are the key elements you monitor for assessing your outlook in 2021? And is there a risk about the timing of the infrastructure spending when, about the, when it will kick off? Yeah, timing is always a risk. You, you always want it uh, for yesterday. And uh, I wish it was happening much quicker, but, but some governments have been more proactive than others, and, and we're, we're seeing it in, in, in certain regions. Uh, in, in the province where we're both sitting today, I think the government has been quite proactive, and we are seeing a high level of activity, so this is really positive. We are seeing it in many other parts of the world, um, and, and I'm confident that... Uh, you know, when, when things calm down a little bit and things settle, that uh, we will see an increased pickup in, uh, in infrastructure spending, and that uh, this should bode well for, for, for this industry. Perfect. Okay. Thank you very much for the time. Thank you. And your next question comes from the line of Frédéric Basquet with Roman James. Please go ahead. Bonjour, Alex et Alain. Um, good morning to Hello. you guys. Bonjour. Uh, a few years back, you, um, Alex, a few years back, you started a CEO fund uh, that was focused on important initiatives that uh, your regions couldn't take on their own, um, mm-hmm. but that could make a big difference to your growth. I think Alain had started tackling some of those initiatives before his uh, appointment as CFO. Is this is this fund or initiative something that you'd like to push further further in the months or years to come? Yes, absolutely. And, uh, you know, for, for those of you who are not familiar with that, I mean, it's simply a discretionary amount of, of a pool of, of capital that we kept, we keep uh, at group uh, really to, again, in the same way we, we may have at times been uh, opportunistic on the M&A front, you know, when we see some, you know, some good opportunity in the marketplace, uh, we want to save some capital to, to be opportunistic in the marketplace and really, you know, uh, be in a position to react quickly and also to globalize uh, uh, those initiatives. Um, oftentimes, if you leave all of the capital in the regions, what happens is they tend to uh, develop uh, you know, the service offering perhaps in a region. And in order to globalize that service offering, you, would, you, know, you need to go a, an additional step. You need to take an additional step to get to, uh, to globalizing the service. So by having, by having this small pool of capital, and I'm not talking about an enormous amount of capital, uh, let's all be uh, real here, but by having a small pool of capital, we are able to be a bit more agile and, and, and dedicate some capital where, where, where we see fit. An example of that would be, a, for instance, let's say a strategic hire in the advisory space. 
you know, somebody like uh, we hired uh, not so long ago, you know, uh, a very strong uh, resource in climate change uh, out of Toronto. You know, we could use this pool of capital that is not in the budget of the regions to make that strategic hire and be in a position to act swiftly, uh, but really to drive the business further. So, so that's the use of, of that fund. Again, it's a very, very small portion of our total budget, but it's been useful in the past, and uh, we expect to continue to do that in the future, yes. Uh, good. Are there any specific initiatives that you think could could be um, facilitated by by this fund? Well, I'll give you an example. When we unveiled that, uh, when we unveiled our our strategic plan, uh, we said that we wanted to put our advisory work at the forefront of uh, everything that uh, we would want to do in this uh, in this cycle. Uh, we wanted to continue to capitalize on our engineering capabilities, but we wanted to expand our horizon in, in, in advisory and, and mostly in environment. And essentially, that, that's what we've done. Uh, and we have dedicated some of this capital towards advisory. And, um, and again, that's where I could see us doing more of that uh, in the years to come. Yes. Okay. Thanks, Alex. That's all I have. Thank you. Thank you. And your next question comes from one of Dimitri with Veritas. Please go ahead. Hi, uh, and uh, thanks so much for taking my call. Uh, can you hear me well, by the way? Very well, Dimitri. How are you? Good, thank you. I, I hope everyone's staying safe and healthy. Uh, again, thanks hope for the taking the call. Yeah. Yes. Uh, so uh, let me return quickly to the restructuring charges. Do you expect any uh, meaningful or material restructuring charges um, in 2021 or past 2020? Look, uh, we've disclosed our outlook uh, in, uh, for, for the re remainder of this year, and we expect it to be at or lower than what uh, we have projected. Uh, we're not in a position at this point in time to uh, provide an outlook for uh, restructuring charges uh, going into 2021. All I can tell you is we still have, you know, uh, on the back of the Lewisburg acquisition, we had disclosed back then the amount of restructuring charge that uh, we would, uh, we would, that would be needed uh, to restructure Lewisburg. And we said that we would do that on a number of years. We have not reached, not even close to the amount that the REIT said was needed back then. So you could, and we could collectively expect maybe a small amount, uh, again, related to that uh, on real estate and things like that. But time will tell, and uh, when the time is right and when uh, we come to uh, disclosing Q4, we will be providing you with your outlook for 2021, and at that point in time, we can revisit the discussion or the question. Yeah, yeah, I appreciate it. I'm just trying to gauge, you know, what the... Uh, um, now, the potential impact of, of, of COVID on, on further severances, uh, et cetera. Yeah, this is, uh, I, I, I truly understand and I, I can feel for you. I, I, I'd love to provide you with more, more information on this, but uh, neither you or I or the world essentially has a very good view of what COVID will look like in 2021. Look, right. I believe that we've done uh, and we continue in Q4 to do the work that we would be uh, that uh, we said we would be doing 
to set, to set the business and to have a business fit for purpose going into January and, and be ready for 2021. So uh, the, 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 the cost uh, restructuring that uh, we disclose when we reinstated our outlook uh, are still valid and are in line with uh, what we said we would do. Uh, but 2021, I believe it's a bit difficult just yet to tell you uh, whether there will be some additional restructuring charge related to COVID. Uh, I think it's way too premature. I hope not, frankly. I, I hope there'll be a, that we won't have any. That's the goal. Uh, but to be seen. To be seen in due yeah. course. I appreciate it. Uh, can you walk us through... Um, you know some uh, trends that you are seeing in your uh, in your key segments. So transportation and infrastructure. You already talked uh, uh, about property and buildings, but maybe and and you did mention the uh, uh, decline in uh, in commercial in, in reliance on commercial high rises for revenues uh, mm-hmm. and and the increased impact of the uh, uh, healthcare sub-segment within property and buildings. Maybe uh, anything else that you're seeing uh, within the property and buildings, any other revenue lines uh, that are worth discussing, and then, um, you know, environment resources, uh, you know, uh, and industry. Yeah. I'd say, you know, I I think property and building, I I gave you a good uh, overview, so so, uh, I think I'll leave it at that for the time being. Another point I could mention is probably our environmental sector, uh, and thankfully, you know that's what we had set for our strategy uh, in the next two three years has been our fastest growing segment, and has been uh, this year and last year. So we're extremely pleased about that. Uh, you know, uh, we we've seen this growing at that, uh, you know, you know, including M and A at double digit. So we're, we're quite, uh, quite pleased about our performance. And organically also, we have grown this year, uh, despite COVID. So those that were quite concerned about uh, you know, the decarbonization agenda, the climate change agenda, the ESG agenda, uh, you know, should revisit their, their views around this. Uh, I think that, in, 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 if any, COVID-19 has only, uh, you know, probably... Uh, <laughs> You know, increase the level of focus around this, and we're going to continue to do that. And transportation and our public sector has been quite uh, has been very uh, very stable uh, at this point in time. We haven't seen globally any major project cancellations. We have seen very few. Yes, there are some delays. I'm not going to stand here and tell you that we haven't seen some delays, and we have not seen you know a slower conversion of our backlog into revenue. And that's why perhaps you've seen organic growth in the backlog and perhaps a bit of negative growth uh, in our top line. Clearly, there's been a bit of delay in in the conversion of of the backlog. uh, And that's to be expected in a crisis, right? Uh, But, but, you know, I'm confident that uh, when we are past all of this, uh, that, you know, we will be able to resume our level of activity like we we used to and, and be in a good position to face the market. And uh, uh, anything about uh, uh, resources, uh, power and energy and industry that you have seen? Look, uh, resources resources has been uh, especially on on process engineering, facility engineering, not so much on the environmental side uh, of oil and gas, not at all, because, you know, 
our level of activity activity in, in, on that front has been quite we've been quite active. We continue to assess our client and the decar decarbonization agenda and the, to, to the remediation of those sites and transforming those sites in, in green zones is, is especially. So we haven't seen a, a slowdown in that, but certainly. Uh, around process engineering, facility engineering, you know, uh, our clients have been uh, found it quite difficult, and and uh, there's been a lot of pricing pressure. So that's why you've seen our Western Canadian operation, uh, you know, suffering a little bit, and and we hope that uh, you know uh, a year from now this will be part of the past. Uh, but uh, but if any, I think we feel that that the business is is in a good position at this point in time. All right, thank you. Much appreciated. And there are no further questions at this time. I will turn the call back over to the presenters for closing remarks. Well, uh, I would like to thank you all for attending our call this, uh, this morning. We look forward to updating you on our Q4 uh, results. I can't believe uh, I, I'm going to say this, but ha after, the, after the holidays, and, and at that point in time, we'll be in a position to provide you an, for, with an outlook for uh, 2021 uh, results and expectations. So again, thank you all and have a good day. This concludes today's conference call. You now disconnect. Thank you for listening to TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's investor relations section on their website. See you next time.